When I arrived at university in 2005, we had lessons every Thursday, which was like a sort of press review. So they pushed us to regularly read the newspapers. And I saw that everything I saw, I didn't find. It was always on political issues, and when we were talking about the agricultural issues, it was always in terms of aid and all that. Whereas I grew up in a setting where I saw farmers, it wasn't really people who lived waiting for help. They lived their lives in their own way, and that was it. But the newspapers portrayed that world as a world that had to be saved from all evil, unable to do anything by itself. And that is something that I found to be sort of injustice compared to the world I was coming from. And for me, it's really important that people and the world can see young Africans who do a lot of things from nothing. That's what I want to bring to my country, to my continent, as an African. Today, in Correspondance, a journalist who became an entrepreneur. His name is Inusa Maiga and he comes from Burkina Faso. With the media he founded, he's been fighting to change the way agriculture is seen in Africa. He wants to give opportunities and visibility to young innovators in the field throughout the continent. My name is Camille Diao and I am also a journalist. For the past few months, I got to talk with reporters, podcasters, news anchors, bloggers and other actors of the media industry around the world. I listened to them at length. They told me about their backgrounds, their inspirations, their battles. I asked them a lot of questions and one thing leading to another Between these men and women from all over the world, I started to see the connections, shared beliefs, ideas, courage, passion. I spoke to 10 different people. They come from Burkina Faso, from Lebanon, from Vietnam and Yemen, amongst other places. In this podcast series, I want you to hear their voices. You're listening to Correspondance, the podcast of the newsmakers. Episode 7, Inusa Maiga. Well, over the past few days, we've been monitoring social media. And in Correspondance, the podcast of the newsmakers. Inusa Maiga is the founder of AgriBusiness TV, an online media platform that features video shot in more than 10 African countries. Inusa wants to change the image of agriculture and inspire the youth by telling the stories of those who succeed in the sector. And yet, for a long time, this 35-year-old journalist born in the countryside of eastern Burkina Faso had become disinterested in the rural world. 
Inusa grew up in the 1990s in a big family, 16 children in total, between his father and his uncle, who lived next to each other and shared a large courtyard. Both of them were farmers living off the land, rice, corn, millet, livestock farming. Little Inusa, encouraged into education by his mother, was lucky enough to be brilliant in school. Second to last son in the family, he's the only one who reached university. His studies will take him far away from the rural world, at least for some time. But let's go back to the beginning, when things all started for Inusa Maiga. I was born and grew up in Fadaguna, in the east of Burkina Faso. And for me, it was a happy childhood. In this little town of East Burkina, very undeveloped, but quite pretty, and where agricultural and pastoral activity is the daily life of almost every family. And I especially remember the corn harvest period, when just a stone throw away from the concession, you have fresh corn stalks, you just have to grill one or two. We have fresh corn that we can roast in the evening with the elders. I used to enjoy running behind the cattle in the countryside with the birds that swam beside the pond. Then with the slingshots, with a bit of luck, sometimes you could catch a small bird. For me, it was nice. It made grilled meat and all that with the big brothers. As a child, when you leave those moments, it's practically a dream life. One of the advantages of having grown up in the 90s in this part of Burkina is precisely the fact that we were not necessarily aware that we were living a modest life. Since there wasn't really a big gap between the comrades, everybody went to school on foot or by bike or something else. We ate practically the same things. Inequalities weren't really visible, and I think the contest was such that even those who were a bit well off had to live this modest life. Whether it was in the houses, whether it was even in the way they presented themselves, in order not to stand out from the crowd. One of the major events in my school curriculum in particular was the assassination of the journalist Norbert Zongo in 1998. Le ministre de la Communication et de la Culture, la Direction et le personnel de la TNB présentent leurs condoléances les plus attristées à la famille Eplori. He was an investigative journalist who tried to denounce a number of crimes, including those involving the younger brother of the president at the time, 
At the time, I was in fourth grade and I knew nothing about the man or of his work. I just remember that it was a beautiful morning. On the road to school, we crossed other classmates who went earlier than us and were coming back. They had made us understand that there was no class because the students' office had gone on strike. And the cause was in fact the assassination of a famous journalist in Madugo. Le 14 décembre, la population de Burkina Faso apprend avec stupeur la mort du journaliste Norbert Zongo, carbonisé la veille dans sa voiture. Accident ou meurtre Comment et pourquoi Norbert Zongo a-t-il trouvé la mort Quelles sont les circonstances de ce décès troublant Ces questions sont sur toutes les lèvres. Des milliers d'étudiants et d'élèves descendent spontanément dans la rue pour exiger du pouvoir des réponses. For us, in the first instance, it was a joy. We had the occasion to go on the football pitch rather than go into the classroom. And it's after we began to ask ourselves questions. But who is Nobet Zongo? Because it was really a serious crisis in the whole country. For months, no school, strikes, the chase between the law enforcement and students, some of whom are killed. It's there that we began to become interested in this man, in his work. We learned to really get to know him and discover him. We were impressed by his courage and everything he had done. I was in the eighth grade. I was 14 to 15 years old. I was in the middle of a teenage crisis and I discovered this man, a symbol of courage, whom everyone worships. It was something that may have shaped my choice to go to journalism school. But at the same time, I remember that every time we were asked about it, everyone would say, you saw what happened to Nobet Zongo and you want to become a journalist? La presse en démocratie est le témoin de l'opinion publique. Et qui est l'opinion publique? C'est l'ensemble de la société. Voilà le premier rôle de la presse when I arrived at university in 2005, it was a new world for me. I arrived in Ouagadougou. And like everyone else here, you need a motorcycle. First obstacle, because you realize that yes, when you arrive with your motorcycle, you discover that there are other cameras who come by car, and there, the inequalities are immediately visible. And when you get to class, you meet students who have gone to high school in different parts of the country, from the north, the center, the west. There was a quota for foreigners. And there you are. You are going to be in a class with a diplomat's child from different backgrounds. I told myself that no matter where I come from, that's not going to determine my intellectual abilities. And I was all over the place. I was in the library all the time. I was at the cyber cafe all the time doing research. I was trying to get my revenge on that side. Uh, 
We had lessons every Thursday, which was like a sort of press review. By groups of two, we had to present and take stock of what the press was saying for a few minutes. So they pushed us to regularly read the newspapers. And I saw that everything I saw, I didn't find. It was always on political issues and when we were talking about the agricultural issues. It was always in terms of aid and all that. Whereas I grew up in a setting where I saw farmers that I knew from my family or from the neighborhood. It wasn't really people who lived waiting for help. They lived their lives in their own way and that was it. But the newspapers portrayed that world as a world that had to be saved from all evil, unable to do anything by itself. And that is something that I found to be sort of injustice compared to the world I was coming from. Once I submitted my dissertation, waiting the end of the exams, I began to work for one agency called Jade Production, which is a sort of communication agency for development, a press agency on agricultural and rural information. So, I worked there. I was a correspondent of some magazines in France, in the Netherlands, and in Belgium. So I had the opportunity to write only articles and reports on agriculture. And I remember one of my very first reports which was published abroad focused on an organic cotton producer that I went to meet a stone's throw away from Fada Goma, my hometown. I am still proud of this meeting, proud of this production. I realized a little what I wanted, which was to shine a light on and tell different stories about farmers, their families, their environment, their ambitions and their dreams. From 2012, I applied for a master's online, which was offered by the Superior School of Journalism in Lille. It was a master's in media management. At the end of this master's, I learned a lot of interesting things that I wanted to apply in my life and in the society where I worked. I asked myself a lot of questions. Certain orientations did not suit me at all. And practically, on a whim, without really thinking, in general, people, before quitting, find something better and they quit. I didn't really want to jump from one branch to another. I wanted a break. So I decided to stop. I assured myself anyway to pay 12 months of rent, saying to myself that even if in the next 12 months I have nothing to eat, at least I have a place to sleep without having to depend on someone. I began to think about the orientation that I wanted to take in my life and my career. 
A friend mainly suggested to create a blog because I explained to him that that's how I used to get up, go to a town, meet a farmer and write this story. But the media who I was offering these contents to were not interested in circulating them. And the idea of creating a blog was something really fantastic. I called it New Farmer, and three months after, I rebaptized it Gogul Farmer. It was a name that was inspired to me by a Nigerian farmer. We had discussed it at length, and I tried with great difficulty to explain to him what I do for a living. And when he finally understood, he cried out, Oh, so you are a Google farmer? For him, a farmer of the internet. And I said, Yes, that's right. I could write more often. I could write what I wanted, and there I saw straight away the interest surrounding this blog. I received a lot of mail. People often wrote to me just to encourage me, congratulate me, and say that it wasn't the content they were used to seeing on the African continent. It was not a long time ago, 2013, 2014, but it was really a time when we didn't have much on African agricultural issues, on the internet anyway. Already at the time, I'd created a section on the blog called Agribusiness TV, where I put some videos which I filmed with the camera on the field. And I began to see that the videos had more success than the written text. And it was there that I began to think in 2014 to what could be done for an audiovisual media about agriculture, about the royal world, because the text doesn't really allow us to visualize what we are talking about. And for me, the video offered that power. It is this combination of audio, text and visuals that allows people to really discover what the Burkina Bay agricultural world is all about. And the idea was really, once again, to tell, via video, stories about farmers, showing what positive things they are doing, showing what young people are doing in the royal environments, etc. I was writing the concept and then, in 2015, I came across a call for projects. It was a center specialized from the European Union called CTA, Technical Center of Agricultural and Royal Cooperation. It had launched a call for project proposals that link youth, agriculture and ethics in the African, Caribbean and Pacific regions. And I immediately thought, okay, my media project is something that fits with that. I quickly finalized, adapted, and submitted my project. They received around 500 to 600 projects, and they only selected five projects that they would finance. And I was lucky that Agribusiness TV was part of the five projects which were selected. So, this allowed me to broaden my ambitions. It was no longer a question of being content with oneself in the field, but of bringing together a real team, developing a real editorial project to produce content that goes beyond Burkina Faso.
The idea of the internet is precisely that it's borderless, and I wanted to make people travel without having to travel. Bringing young Burkinabese people to discover what young Cameroon people are doing in the agricultural world. Bringing young Beninois to show how young Ivorians what they do best in the agricultural world. L'élevage de porc, c'est une passion pour moi. Nous avons décidé de produire l'oignon en saison pluvieuse. Nous avons créé une marque qui permette aux gens d'avoir un miel de qualité parce que nous sommes soucieux de la santé des populations. Nous nous sommes orientés particulièrement vers l'aloe vera parce que c'est une plante qui a plein de vertus. Mes ambitions seraient de créer un centre de formation dans lequel tous ceux qui le désirent pourront venir et apprendre le métier d'élevage du poisson. L'élevage en général en agriculture, j'ai appris avec le temps. For me, it was more than a project. It's an important part of my life because in 2015, I just got married and this media project allowed us to have something that was ours, to have something in which we're going to work together on. In November 2015, we had begun to develop the concept. We worked end-to-end together up to the development of different platforms, websites, Facebook pages, Twitter, etc., as well as bilingual mobile applications. She is more anglophone, which made it possible to no longer be satisfied with French content, but in both languages, French and English. It's really a good combination when I think about it today. And in May 2016, after two, three reports, we arrived at a big moment. We organized the official launch of the Media Agribusiness TV. It was really something. We told beautiful stories, we had beautiful encounters and a lot of good memories and pride. Already we had really helped to scale up activities. I am thinking of this young Ivorian who started out as a banker and left his job to go into the artisanal production of chocolate. Le défi que j'ai voulu relever, c'est que la Côte d'Ivoire n'a pas de fabricants, des personnes qui savent que le chocolat. Donc vraiment, c'était pour moi un challenge pour moi de pouvoir relever ce défi-là et qu'un Ivoirien soit à la fin de la chaîne de transformation. Donc c'est pour ça que ça m'a motivé. I remember when we were making the video about him. He had a production of around two tons of cocoa per year. Afterwards, the video was so successful that he was contacted all over the world, from Belgium to Azerbaijan. He himself told me it was the first time he went on Google to see where that country was located, because we called him and we said to him, it's since Azerbaijan. We saw the video, we are interested in working with you. He had orders that passed the 10 tons of cocoa per month. Per month, it has a phenomenal impact. And even more when they are entrepreneurs themselves who recognize that, yes, agribusiness TV has been something important in their journey. And it is a great pride.
With Agribusiness TV, one does not register in the information in a classical way. I see the medium as a channel through which we tell stories. We share meaning, we share experiences. I have an immediate bias. I don't have the ambition to do an objective job. I always say it's an absolutely subjective, assumed work. On the other hand, what is really important for us in this work really is honesty. We try to tell the story and, above all, to show the young people who do a lot of things from nothing and who are not there to ask for help from anyone. And for me, it's really important that people and the world can see young Africans who have this state of mind. That's what I want to bring to my country, to my continent as an African. The world already perceives us as people that we need to help. The world perceives us as people that we need to feed. And I'm completely fed up with this image. I want to show that, well, Africa is not about that. We have problems, that's true. We have a lot of people who suffer, that's true. But on the other hand, we also have people who, despite the suffering, keep their dignity, who think by themselves, who build by themselves, who work in an innovating way, and who create things we can't imagine. During my curriculum, I think that school was seen as a way to escape the agricultural world. I remember, since primary school, the teacher said to students, if you don't work well, we will send you back to your parents so they will send you to the fields. At home, if you refuse to study, we said to you, anyway, if you don't like school, we will take you back to the fields. In a child's mind, if you want to show that you are capable of something, that you have a brain, you must do everything to avoid ending up as a farmer. The dream life you saw, you say to yourself that maybe you must be better than that. To be a teacher, it's already better than that. To be a nurse, it's already better than that. You begin to develop new ambitions at a young age, disregarding the environment in which you grew up, which is the agricultural world. And so, that's why I was angry for a long time with agriculture. I tried to reconcile with this world through the work that I do. I went all the way to university, and I tried to put this knowledge to the service of the agriculture world. And I think that this reconciliation is more or less successful today. Inusa Maiga's story is the story of a personal quest, a story of reconciliation, but also a story of commitment. With Agribusiness TV, he's been working every day to build a thriving and sustainable food processing industry in Africa. Because food sovereignty is a key ingredient to the future of the continent. In the upcoming month, Inusa will keep developing his media and wants to tackle new topics such as animal welfare. But most importantly, he will continue to claim his right as a journalist to have his own subjective point of view.
Correspondance is a podcast series brought to you by CFI, the French Media Development Agency. In the next episode, I will introduce you to Nibras Almamouri, a journalist from Iraq who's been fighting for the rights of women in her country. See you then. <laughs>